does calling for the genocide of Jews violate MIT's code of conduct or rules regarding bullying and harassment, yes or no? If targeted at individuals not making public statements. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's rules or code of conduct? If the speech turns into conduct, it can be harassment. Yes. It is a context-dependent decision, Congresswoman. It's a context-dependent decision. That's your testimony today. Calling for the genocide of Jews is depending upon the context. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules of bullying and harassment? Yes or no? It can be, depending on the context. It does not depend on the context. The answer is yes, and this is why you should resign. These are unacceptable answers across the board. Hello, America. I'm Mark Levin, and ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented by my favorite college in America. Larry Arnes Hillsdale College, which proudly refuses every penny of government funding to remain independent. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship, their patriotism. They reach broadly across America outside their facilities on campus. It's a remarkable university, which brings me to the topic of this special podcast, universities and colleges in America. Ever since I was a young man in law school, I could see what was taking place in the classroom. Nothing like today, but it was bad enough. And also, I, I had to deal with these teachers' unions, you know, K through 12. I could see what they were doing to my community, Cheltenham Township, Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, which is all now Democrat. It was mostly Republican at the time. I was 18, 19 years old. I was going to Temple University Law School at the age of 19. Skipped a couple of grades there, here and there. And I decided I was going to run for the school board. Can you imagine that? Even more, I decided I was going to run for the school board on a tax limitation, tax cutting agenda. You see, the property taxes in Cheltenham at the time were going through the roof. They had a massive tax increase. Their biggest taxpayer, called the Cedarbrook Mall, went under. They were short money. So not only did they stick it to Mr. and Mrs. Cheltenham Township and their property taxes, but they had a massive increase in spending on top of it because they gave the teachers' unions everything they wanted in the prior contract negotiations. So people actually saw their property taxes going up 30, 33%. And just like the rest of America, in Cheltenham Township, which was relatively small, about 35,000 people, there were senior citizens on fixed incomes. There were hard-working, blue-collar Americans who couldn't afford this type of a tax increase. And then there were wealthier areas of the township that mostly didn't give a damn. So here I was, 19, and I decided to run for the school board, and I formed a group called the Committee for Tax Limitation. Back then, there weren't so many rules. I probably would have had to hire a lawyer to figure out how to file all the paperwork, so it probably would never have gotten done. So I decided to run while I was 19 in law school. And I decided I not only wanted to win, I needed to win big and make a statement to everybody. 
So with the three seats that were open on a nine-member school board, I'm getting to a point. It had been taken over by the Democrats and rhinos, but the Democrats had a majority. I was running against, I think, the most popular, well-known Democrat on that board. And I spent the summer before the election doing what we used to call coffee clutches all over the township, meeting with people, small group at a time in their homes. I must have done 30 of them. My parents and I and my older brother, we went door to door. We must have hit 3,000 homes in this community. And back then I printed up a little business card with my name on it that I was running for office. And the Committee for Tax Limitation were able to raise, back then, was plenty of money, about $3,000. And we used that money, again, back then, I guess, how many, oh my God, that's like, that's over 45 years ago. I'm getting old, Mr. Producer. I don't feel like I'm 66. I was 19. It feels like yesterday. So my father, being an author and an artist, I wrote the substance for a newsletter. He did the artwork, went to the printer, who was the state representative at the time, and they printed these things up, and we mailed them out in bulk to every household the week or so before the election. So I did everything I could, and I won in a landslide. When I was on the school board, I could see what was going on. They had what they called a no-surprises doctrine, where any disagreements we had were to occur behind closed doors, not in front of the public. I said, I have a surprise for you. I'm not following the no surprises doctrine. The public has a right to know. So nine members of the board, as I said, and the votes were typically eight to one or seven to two. You can guess who the one was. Seven to two. My buddy who ran with me, he, uh, he was elected president of the board. They thought that would mollify the two of us, but it didn't. As I said, I was 19. I was sworn in at 20. He was 27, sworn in at 28. We were the youngest. So the Committee for Tax Limitation continued to work, continued to organize. And so the school board had a huge meeting at our high school, Cheltenham Township High School, in the assembly room. Over 1,500 people attended. And they were furious. And the arrogance of the school administration and the superintendent, the arrogance of the other seven members of the board, including rhinos who'd been on the board for several years, was disgusting. And the taxpayers who attended were furious. Back then, the Philadelphia Bulletin, which doesn't exist in their metro center, which is actually quite good, unlike the Philadelphia Inquirer, which is really a propped operation. They did stories on what was happening in Cheltenham. It was a community that was right on the border with Philadelphia. And they did stories on me. They used to call me the whiz kid, Mr. Producer. Not the whizzing kid, the whiz kid. I could see up close and personal what would go on, the incestuous nature of the administration. How most of the administrators came out of, out of the faculty. How the faculty was almost all Democrat. Had way too much sway over the courses we offered, the content of the courses, and so forth and so on. As I say, this was almost 
Well, it's almost 50 years ago, for crying out loud. And that was K through 12. Imagine our colleges and universities today. Tenure. Marxism. Islamism. The administrators coming right out of the faculty. The faculties I wrote in Plunder and Deceit. Chosen by the other faculty. The vast majority of the people they would choose as new faculty were people who attended their universities, typically the Poison Ivy Colleges across the country. In fact, in the book, I explain that over 70% of the faculty in the top 20 universities came from the same schools. And they vetted them to make sure that they were ideologically pure in sync with the rest of the faculty. And this has been going on for decades now. Decades. That's why you see these reports from time to time that the overwhelming number of faculty are Democrats or worse. Maybe there's a couple of percent who identify as conservative, usually around one and a half to two percent. That's intentional. When grants are given for studies, for scholarship, to professors, if you're part of that 1% or 2%, you don't get the grants. Admissions committees, made up obviously of administrators and faculty, same thing. If you've had a kid recently who is trying to get into one of these Poison Ivy Lake schools, or a lot of other schools for that matter, that aren't, in the Poison Ivy League genre. You can see the way the questions are asked, even from medical school. They want to know how you identify. They want, they want to know where you are on DEI and ESG. They go through the whole list of Marxist and now Islamist agenda items. And if you don't meet the criteria that they put out, your likelihood of acceptance is very, very low. And if you come out of one of these activist groups, or if you have the right genitalia, or if you're changing your genitalia, or you're doing something weird with your genitalia, you go to the top of the list. So the faculty, the administration, and the student body are all ideological in one way, and only one way. Absolutely intolerant of academic freedom. Absolutely intolerant of free speech, even though they claim to be. Defending them. They have devoured our university system, except for a few bright lights like Hillsdale leading them. This is why Joe Biden has violated the United States Constitution, the spending clause, is not in the executive branch section of the Constitution. Power of the purse belongs with Congress, specifically the House. And even violated a Supreme Court decision that he didn't have the power to violate separation of powers, to seize the authority given to Congress, but he's done it anyway to the tune of half a trillion dollars. And he wants to do more. Why? That's the Democrat Party base, and they're subsidizing it with your tax dollars. And massive amounts of your tax dollars at the state level in particular, but also the federal level, are pouring into these universities and colleges.
with virtually no oversight. Even in Republican states where they have overwhelmingly Republican legislatures and a Republican governor. In places like Utah, Idaho, South Carolina, you name it. Virtually no serious oversight. Because they're afraid of being called right-wingers who are trying to interfere with academic freedom. Just like when you're trying to clean our bookshelves of pornography. For our little tykes, elementary school kids. You have people like Newsom and the rest of them. Calling you book burners. Yes. So it takes some guts to stand up to this. Now what's been happening. Really since the 1990s. But has received almost no attention until now. And partly due to me quite frankly. Is the Hamas network. Has poured millions and millions and millions of dollars into our colleges and universities. Qatar, which funds Hamas. Qatar, which gives safe haven to leaders of Hamas who are billionaires off of our tax dollars and off of UN money, stolen from refugees and others where it was supposed to go. Qatar has spent well over a billion dollars influencing our colleges and universities. Spreading anti-Semitism. George Soros, worth 30 to 40 billion dollars, the vast majority of the money he intends to give away to radical left-wing Marxist anti-American causes. Scores of front groups have received dark money from multi-billionaires, including George Soros, that gives support to, that spread the propaganda of Hamas and terrorist organizations all over the world. Because the Marxists and the Islamists have the same objective, to destroy Western civilization. In our case, obviously, to destroy America. It's not that they agree substantively. They agree on strategy and tactics. They agree to the end. The end is to destroy us. Why, Mark? I don't know. Why is there evil? Why is there fascism? Why is there communism? Why is there Islamism? Because it is. And the why is not the proper question. Confront it and defeat it. That's the proper approach. Why? There's a lot of reasons why. I've written about them. I could speculate about them, but they're not important. We have an absolutely open border, as you're well aware, that has caused enormous amounts of inhumanity, thanks to Joe Biden. The sex trafficking of little kids, the rape tents of women, migrants, the fentanyl coming across the border, killing anywhere from 70 to 100,000 Americans every single year. Our criminal justice system cannot handle all these illegal immigrants. Our schools cannot handle them. Our towns and cities cannot house them. They're draining our resources. Democrats, locally for sure, are trying to figure out how to get them registered to vote, which clearly will bleed into federal elections. We have a disaster. The civil society is collapsing. It's unraveling. Due to Biden and the Democrats, their administration, due to the media in our country, which is nothing more than a propaganda operation 
for the Democrat Party and for the government. That's the situation we face right now. You saw that hearing, the House Education Committee, the Republicans, who hold a majority by the skin of their teeth. Yet what would we do without them? They held a hearing. They exposed the president of Penn, who's now resigned, because her ass was going to be fired. They've exposed the president of Harvard, who's apparently a plagiarist, according to some reports, which look very substantive. It appears that she was a DEI hire. President of MIT hanging on with her fingernails. Those are three universities. But there's more than 200, more than 200, actually more than 300, that are more than tolerated anti-Semitism on their campuses. And not just words, but threats, intimidation, where Jewish students have to take off their Star of David or their kippah, which is the yarmulke. They have to dress differently. So they kind of mix in. But some have Jewish names. They can't be hidden. Some have joined the local Hillel. Which can't be hidden. Hidden. What is this, Nazi Germany in the Third Reich? Jewish students locking themselves in libraries and attics. Jewish students locking themselves in the dorm. Jewish Jewish students being confronted and surrounded by a mob. Jewish students being beaten. Gentile students being beaten for trying to defend Jewish students. That's not freedom of speech. That's Nazism. That's what that is. The quaint days, the quaint old days. When students were to be taught about American history. When their belief in America from their parents was supposed to be reinforced by our educational system. Instead, they're taught to hate their parents and their family, the nuclear family. They're taught to hate the people who founded this magnificent country. And wrote the Declaration and wrote the Constitution of the United States, which they wave around when it's convenient to them. They're taught things like, there's no such thing as an illegal alien unless you're talking about white people. What? Well, those of you who've read American Marxism know exactly what I'm talking about. You see, people who come to this country illegally today from Central and South America. Well, our students are being taught... In our classrooms, as I speak, and it is they who are the indigenous peoples of what we call America. In fact, North America. It is they who are the indigenous peoples. How dare you call them illegal? It is the people who settled here hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Many, if not most of whom, came out of Europe. White Europeans. They're the illegal aliens. They're the supremacists. They're the people who have imposed their culture 
on these indigenous lands of the people we now call illegal aliens. They're the people who impose their language on people from Central and South America. In other words, it's Spanish. That's the real language of the Americas. Not English. It's the so-called illegal aliens who are the real citizens, the people of this area, of this territory. Not these white Europeans. Now, why am I even mentioning this? Obviously, it's intended to destroy our country. You don't believe in our country, you don't believe in our history, then you're not going to support it. You'll support this revolution that's going on. But there's another reason. Because they view the Jews the same way in our colleges and universities. This is what they're taught. This is what they're taught at home. Depending on what community who the migrants are. And many of them are recently, you know, immigrants to this country. And they bring their own culture, their own ideology, and in many cases, their own hate. And they do not assimilate into our culture because the educational and media systems that are intended to help people assimilate into our culture are at war with our culture. They hate our culture, the American culture. They push the Marxist agenda of CRT. They embrace the Islamists like Hamas and use their data and their figures to attack the Jews in the Middle East. So they view Jews the same way. Much of what I see happening around us today results from decades of failure in American education. Americans are increasingly divided over what policies are best for our country and even over whether America is deserving of our love. That's why today I'd like to invite you to make a year-end gift to my favorite college, Hillsdale College, in their mission to preserve, as they say, the blessings of civil and religious liberty through a proper education. Hillsdale College is leading an American revival. Over three and a half million citizens have enrolled in one or more of Hillsdale's free online courses. Thousands of young Americans are enrolled in over 90 Hillsdale-affiliated K-12 schools, charter schools. And 6.4 million Americans, including me, of course, receive in Primus 10 times a year. It's like a Thomas Paine pamphlet. It's fantastic. And they do all of this while refusing to accept one penny, directly or indirectly, of taxpayer money, state or federal. Hillsdale's independence means they rely on the support of you, patriots, citizens just like you who understand the importance of education and liberty. And they send that message beyond the school's property, as you well know. Those of you who listen to my radio show and my podcast, they make it accessible to every citizen in this country. In fact, on the face of the earth. They provide lessons, videos, faculty, who explain the foundations, not just of America, but of a free people, and enable you to spread it to your family, your children, your friends, throughout your community. Please help. You can make your tax-deductible year-end gift to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Again, it's tax-deductible. That's levinforhillsdale.com. And on behalf of our friends at Hillsdale College, have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. 
Now, what do I mean by that? Well, the Jews are the indigenous peoples of Judea and Samaria, which is ridiculously called the West Bank of Jordan. In 1948, Jordan, the monarchy that he joined in with all the surrounding Arab and Muslim countries to attack Israel when Israel got its independence. And so the argument they make is, well, Judea and Samaria, they really belong to the Palestinians and the Arabs. There were no Palestinians. Read your Bible. Do it. Does anybody read a Bible today? Go to the Torah. There's not a word about them because they weren't there. They have no claim to any land there. To the extent they were a separate group and they weren't. There are Arabs who called themselves Palestinians in 1965. Arafat said that would be really be helpful propaganda-wise because the New York Times would buy it. Europeans would buy it. They'd all buy it. So they call themselves Palestinians to sound like Palestine. But they were never in Palestine or Judea and Samaria. They were in Jordan, what is today Jordan. And if you look at a map of that part of the world, you're going to see a lot of countries with a lot of very straight lines. Saudi Arabia, modern-day Iraq, Jordan, and so forth. You know why? Because that was drawn on a piece of paper by the British. Before that, the Ottoman Empire. After that, the UN. There was no Saudi Arabia, per se. And you can go through many of these the UAE, Bahrain. These are all countries that were created about 120 years ago, give or take. But anyway, the Jews, their original, their original birthplace was not Jerusalem. It was not the city of David, which predates Jerusalem, but is right on the fringe of Jerusalem. In fact, overlays Jerusalem. It's a tiny little place called Shiloh, spelled like Shiloh, in Judea. Have you ever heard of a man named Samuel? Now, not the guy down the street. I'm talking about biblically. Samuel. Well, I'm not going to do a whole story here. Don't have the time anyway on ancient history. But Samuel was the person or the prophet through which God was communicating, was organizing. And again, to make a long story short, the tribes, the Jewish tribes, were disparate tribes in different places with different leaders. In some cases, different identities. some cases, slightly different belief systems. It was in Shiloh where it all came together. All the tribes of Israel who had gone their separate ways came together. That's how important that place is. And Biden and Blinken and before them, Obama and before him, Clinton, the New York Times, Thomas Friedman, a reprobate, a columnist who's a self-hater, who wants to carve up the state of Israel because he's a leftist. 
all these people want to give Shiloh and Judea and Samaria the birthplace of Judaism, the birthplace of Judaism to the Palestinians who have no historic claim to it whatsoever who now control Bethlehem, the birthplace of Jesus who control other towns you may have heard of in the Bible, Hebron well, there's basically 85 Jewish families left because some decades ago the Palestinians slaughtered so many of the Jews there. The IDF has a big force there to protect the families that are left. You know why? The IDF is also there, Mr. Producer? Because the great patriarchs and most of the matriarchs are buried there. Abraham is buried there. Abraham is recognized by all three major religions. All three major religions. As the father of the religions. Judaism, Christianity, Islam. But the Palestinians claim it. They claim Hebron. They claim the burial place of Abraham and other patriarchs and matriarchs. They claim that. They claim Shiloh, Judea, and Samaria. And they claim the river to the sea. The complete annihilation of the Jewish people. This is supported by the vast majority of our universities and colleges, professors, administrators, and students. The Jews battled the Babylonians the Persians, and the Romans. The reason the second temple and the temple mount is so important in Judaism, that temple mount now has the third most important, so the Muslims claim, mosque in the world. That mosque was built on top of land that had had an ancient synagogue. It was done purposely. The Jews are not allowed to go there. The Palestinians, again, who are not even in the Bible, they claim it. The IDF has to protect the mosque from Islamists who've used it in the past for terrorist activities. But the Second Temple was destroyed by the Romans, as you well know. Their siege on the Second Temple lasted almost five years. The slaughter by the Romans, really unspeakable. Jesus was killed on a cross. Approximately 100,000 Jews were killed the same way. It was so bad they actually ran out of trees. And these crosses, where Jews were hammered onto these crosses, not tied, spikes through their palms, where they'd hang there in the desert in the beating heat, where animals, crows, would feed on their flesh while they were alive. 
they line the main road to the second temple. The main road. So many of the Jews who survived fled that part of the world. They even fled the Middle East. They sought places around the world, including Europe, Germany, Romania, Poland, you name it. And then with the end of the Ottoman Empire, the beginning really of the British Empire, at least the Ottomans said, you know, we're going to divide these lands up. And there needs to be an area where the Jews have a home where they can live. Because after all, it was theirs to begin with. Again, to make a long story short, In 1948, the land that was Israel's before the 67 war was recognized internationally as a homeland for the Jews. That's what Zionism means. Nothing more, nothing less. You're a Zionist, meaning you want to go back to the home of the Jews. That's all it means. All positive, nothing nefarious. So if you're an anti-Zionist, you're an anti-Semite because that means you want to wipe the Jews out of Israel. So after Israel won the war for independence because it was attacked and it lost some of the land that belonged to Israel, including Judea and Samaria, which now is called, oh, the Jordanian West Bank. More and more Jews, where this was their ancestral homeland, came home. There were already Jews there. Please don't get me wrong. But that's why when you watch TV, you'll get a history of Judaism that begins in 1948. That's why you'll be told that this was land that belonged to somebody else. That's why you hear the Islamists and the Marxists and Democrats and news people talk about oh the Jews they took over this land they don't have one iota of knowledge about history or they don't care the people from Germany Poland Roman the Jews after the Holocaust most by this time had white skin you know, like, like Americans who came to this country and settled our country. And so for the Marxists, this is viewed through the lens of racism. For the Bernie Sanders type, who is a contemptible Marxist. For the Islamists, of course, they're just Jew haters. And they want to create these caliphates. They want a two-state solution. Iran already has a country. There was this two-state experiment with the Gaza Strip. How did that go? We have a survey that was done by an Arab organization just a few weeks ago, surveying a large number of Palestinians in Judea and Samaria and in Gaza. 85 or maybe even 90% of them supported what happened on October 7th. 
a similar number supported the elimination of the Jews from Israel. Because after half a century or even a century of indoctrination about the Jews, hating the Jews, killing Jews, being rewarded for killing Jews, like the Palestinian Authority, the PLO actually, giving out pensions to the parents and family of terrorists, and the more they kill, the bigger the pension. Our tax dollars are going to that right now. Trump had cut it off. These are the moderate Palestinians. This is what goes on. That's why it's so important that we have voices of humanity, of liberty, of tolerance, of true faith. Whether it's on TV or radio, whether it's at congressional hearings, and especially when teaching our young kids, our young people, especially when teaching our young people. And these colleges and universities, they need to be looked at. They need to be dealt with. There's no reason we keep funneling hundreds of billions of dollars, hundreds of billions of dollars into these places only to destroy our own country and to spread evil and hate. Hate for Jews, hate for our founding, hate for Christianity. They're taught secularism by the Marxists and they're taught terrorism by the Islamists. And they're getting a big full dose of both. So the answer is for parents to stop sending their kids to schools like that. The answer is for state legislatures, particularly Republican state legislatures, to get a grasp of this and to start cutting funding, starting to defund these entities. The answer is for these states to outlaw DEI programs. Make transparent, create competition in the hiring of faculty and administrators. Look at what's used, the checklist for admission to these universities and colleges. There is absolutely no reason that these should be safe havens for terrorists, terrorist viewpoints, anti-Americanism. I think it was Oliver Wendell Holmes who said the Constitution is not a suicide pact. These are people who hate the Constitution and the people who wrote it and ratified it. And to come full circle, most of what I'm saying is we need colleges that operate like Hillsdale College. I call Hillsdale the shining college on the hill. Obviously, a take on President Reagan's shining city on the hill. Hillsdale College is the example of what a college should be. It teaches real American history, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But it doesn't exist to destroy American history, to rewrite American history, and to turn your kids against America's founding. It's a campus that embraces faith. In Hillsdale's case, Christianity. Even more broadly, morality, ethics, Compassion, humanity. These are very, very important 
character elements, variables that we want everybody to have. And they teach the Constitution morning, noon, and night. The great philosophers. They open the eyes of their students so they can think for themselves, so they can embrace the Enlightenment, embrace Western civilization. Mankind has never seen anything like this before, and we can easily lose it in our own country. In our own country. In many communities, many colleges and universities, it looks like Crystal Knock. Crystal Knock. So we should embrace, advance, promote, expand those within our culture who push against this. And when it comes to education, Hillsdale comes immediately to mind. Much of what I see happening around us today results from decades of failure in American education. Americans are increasingly divided over what policies are best for our country and even over whether America is deserving of our love. That's why today I'd like to invite you to make a year-end gift to my favorite college, Hillsdale College, in their mission to preserve, as they say, the blessings of civil and religious liberty through a proper education. Hillsdale College is leading an American revival. Over three and a half million citizens have enrolled in one or more of Hillsdale's free online courses. Thousands of young Americans are enrolled in over 90 Hillsdale-affiliated K-12 schools, charter schools. And 6.4 million Americans, including me, of course, Receiving Primus 10 times a year. It's like a Thomas Paine pamphlet. It's fantastic. And they do all of this while refusing to accept one penny, directly or indirectly, of taxpayer money, state or federal. Hillsdale's independence means they rely on the support of you, patriots, Citizens just like you, who understand the importance of education and liberty. And they send that message beyond the school's property, as you well know. Those of you who listen to my radio show and my podcast. They make it accessible to every citizen in this country. In fact, on the face of the earth. They provide lessons, videos. Faculty who explain the foundations, not just of America, but of a free people, and enable you to spread it to your family, your children, your friends, throughout your community. Please help. You can make your tax-deductible year-end gift to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Again, it's tax deductible. That's levinforhillsdale.com. And on behalf of our friends at Hillsdale College, have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And God bless each and every one of you. <laughs>